Moms and dads feel like I'm not good enough for my kids or my grandkids at times, the pressure that's there. Sometimes we don't feel good enough to be, I'm not good enough to be a part of that church or church in general. And ultimately, I think what's behind a lot of this sometimes is we feel like we're not good enough for God. That there's just not enough value or worth that I have. I'm not a good enough person. But here's the irony in all of that. The truth is we're not good enough. But there's good news. And that's what the book of Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans is all about. He's proclaiming the gospel, the good news over and over again. And the truth is we're not good enough, but Jesus is. And we're going to walk through that today and next week and next week and next week. We're calling this While We Were, uh, Romans 5. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, while we were this, and we're going, I'm going to unpack that. But let me give you three quick statements that I gave you last week that summarize chapters 1 through 4. One is, I, I'm a sinner under God's wrath. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners under God's wrath. And Paul teaches that very clearly. Go back and read Romans 1 and chapter 2, especially no matter how religious we are, we're sinners under God's wrath. Number two, there's nothing I can do to earn God's righteousness. There is nothing we can do. All the religions out there, that's what they're trying to do is earn God's favor, earn God's righteousness, and that's the, the terminology that Paul uses of, of God's right, wrath and God's righteousness is being revealed But a third statement in the good news is that we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a simple but yet powerful, straightforward truth is that we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ, and that's what Paul's been arguing. As we pick up then where we left off last week, real quick, I want to go ahead and read for you the first five verses as they set us up for verses 6 through 11. Paul says, therefore, so all of chapters 1 through 4, he's now saying, okay, let's, let's build on that. Therefore, since... We have been justified by faith. We've been made right with God by faith, specifically in Jesus Christ. We have, what's the word there? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this what? Grace in which we stand. There's a foundation there. There's a a firmness there. We stand in grace. And then we rejoice Hang on to that word rejoice. We're going to see that again today in the later verses we're going to look at. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We're talking about the future. We have joy because we know there is a future glorification. We'll unpack that in chapter 8. But not only that, we, we not only rejoice in the future, but we rejoice in uh, what? Our, our sufferings. That's the present because we know that the suffering is going to produce endurance It builds up that strength, and then that produces character, and then character then produces hope. And then hope does not put us to shame. There's no humiliation there because God's love has been poured out into our hearts, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. There's a lot there, but here's how we summarized it last week. I'm just going to give you these five statements again real quick. Because of Jesus, one, I am no longer God's enemy. Okay, we have peace with God. And this addresses the question of our identity. 
Okay? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. You are no longer his enemy if you have faith in Jesus Christ. But number two, I live in God's everyday grace. It's the grace in which we stand that addresses our weakness. We can't do it. We don't have the strength to do it. We need his grace each and every day. Number three, my future is secure. My, we rejoice in the hope of the glory. This addresses our anxiety. I know that that is just, anxiety has gone rampant. We, we just struggle with, ah, the uncertainty and anxiety of it all. But our future is secure. We also see here that our present pain has purpose. Suffering to endurance, to character, to hope. And then the last, I experience God's love instead of humiliation. God's love through the Holy Spirit is poured into us. And God's not standing there saying like, oh, sure, I got to give you this again. He doesn't humiliate us. He wants to give it to us. He addresses the issue of shame. So his argument in verses 6 to 11 changes just a little bit. And as we read these verses, uh, I'm going to let you do the hard work of, you're going to write the notes. I don't have any short, pithy statements for you today. It's probably the simplest outline I've ever given you. Us, God the Father, God the Son, okay? You get to fill in the, the gaps in between there in your notes in the bulletin. And as we read these verses, I want you to see the interplay between those three. We're going to look at, you're going to, I'll highlight five labels that Paul uses for us but then we're going to see who God is and two big character traits of who God is and then two actions of Jesus. And we'll unpack that and watch how they all interact with each other. But I want to be faithful to the text and lay that out as Paul lays it out. Verse 6. For while we were still what? Weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Over the last few months, we have um, took our storage room in the basement, good-sized room, and turned it into a home gym. And my boys have just devoured that gym, meaning we've got a, a big set of cage with about 260 pounds of rogue stuff, and we got all the, the barbells. And, and so since he's not in here, okay, I can tell you about this, but we need to keep it between us. Can we keep a secret? <laughs> okay. Pastor Mike said, hey, can I, can I come over and use your gym? I said, sure. So he shows up at my house last week, three mornings in a row. I was really impressed that he did that at 6 a.m., okay? Rachel, got, I don't know how he did that, but I'm, I'm impressed by that, okay? It was really funny to watch him the second morning, and then the third morning, he's like, I don't know if I can come do it, because the first morning was all push-ups, it was all push-ups. So he comes in like this, you know, oh, can I do this, you know? And then the second morning, we, we worked on a little different weights, and it was Tuesday night. In our texting, you could tell he was trying to get out of it. He's like, <laughs> but then I finally said, you've got four days of just traveling to Michigan for Thanksgiving. Come and work out. And he did. So um, when you think of week, think of Pastor Mike. Okay, that's how they, the connection here, okay? But... Uh, there's good news, you know, that, that okay, never mind, that, that illustration didn't go exactly the way, I, I should have planned it out a little bit better, but <laughs> label number one, we're all weak. When we're weak, with no strength, no power, what happens to us? Christ died. Christ died for the ungodly, that's the second label. So let that sink in for a moment. While we were weak and ungodly, 
Jesus died for us. Notice it doesn't say the strong and the godly. Religion in general teaches that you persevere. You do, you, I, I can do this, I can do this, I can be a good person, and God's going to be impressed. Paul argued just a few weeks ago, we, we looked at Paul's argument, even Abraham wasn't good enough. He had nothing to boast about. If Abraham can't do it, you and I can't do it. While we were weak, while we were ungodly, Jesus died for us. That's the first thing Jesus did. Okay, note that under the, the section of God the Son. Verse 7, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Now, there's some human logic versus God's logic here. Human logic says that if I'm going to die for somebody, I'm going to die for a good person, not a bad person. You know, who would you die for? Uh, Would you sacrifice your life for Mother Teresa versus a member of Hamas? Like, like you and I, 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 my human logic goes, somebody like Mother Teresa is much more valuable than a Hamas terrorist. But the reality is they're on equal playing fields because Mother Teresa needed Jesus just as much as the Hamas terrorist does. God's logic, thankfully, is different than yours and my. Verse seven, or verse eight. But God shows his love for us Notice, that's good. That's the first thing I want you to notice, God's love. That's one character trait of his. That was in the whole book of Romans. God's love was introduced to us just a few verses earlier, up in verse five. God shows his love for us in that while we were still what? That's the third label. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Weak, ungodly, sinners, it doesn't matter. Jesus died for us. And again, I feel like we're just kind of beating the same drum. This is what separates the gospel of Jesus Christ from every other religion. Even some Christian churches who uh, they, they build religion and legalism into the system. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You don't do this. You don't do that in order for God to be impressed with you. And I'll be honest with you, that feeds into the I'm just not good enough perspective. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I look at that and I'm like, that's too hard, I'm not even going to try. Which brings me to decorating for Christmas. So um, we did really well the last couple days, okay? Minimal tension in the Graham household. All of the inside is decorated, or as Cabby likes to say, Christmas threw up at the Graham's house, Okay. But we haven't touched the outside yet. But let me tell you about the outside. It's a little intimidating here. I don't know if you're watching this trend nowadays in our subdivisions like ours, but they put in all these like really fancy perfect lights, the holiday lighting that you can just click on a button with your app at any point in time and turn it on. You know how expensive that is? For my house, it was five grand. And I said, no. And you know what my argument was? For just a little while, I thought, if I can't keep up with all my neighbors, forget it. We're not even going to decorate. Because I feel like we're not good enough. But I said, nope. Uh, we're going to do it our way, and so we're going to do our old-fashioned wreaths and put on our nativity scene and whatever. But there's this tension, and you can't keep up when you're not, you're not good enough. 
And I think that's what people have when it comes to, if, if you have the perspective of, I'm going to impress others and I'm going to impress God with spiritual things, you might as well give up. Because it's, it's not there. It's, it's not going to happen. But while we're still sinners, while we're still weak, while we're still ungodly, Christ died for us. My friends, you don't have to be strong. You don't have to be godly. You don't have to be righteous for God to love you or for Jesus to die for you. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's good news because we don't have to be good enough. Verse 9, since therefore we've been justified by his blood, where do we get his blood? Through his death. Much more shall we save, be saved by him from the what? Wrath of God. So Jesus' death makes us right with God. We call that justification. We call that salvation from the wrath of God. Yes, my brothers and sisters, God loves you, but that doesn't nullify his wrath. Think about this for a quick moment here. The word wrath in the first five chapters has been used seven times so far. Love twice. In all of the book of Romans, the word wrath is used 12 times. We don't like to think about God's wrath, do we? But we need to. Okay? We, we, we have to. God is a God of both wrath and, God's, and a full of love as well. But think for a moment, where does God's wrath come from? Why is it justified? It's because he's holy. He's perfect. He is just, he is God. He is Yahweh. He deserves glory and worship and awe and fear and everything that went with it. That was how creation was supposed to be. And then when Adam and Eve, and we're going to look next week at Adam, that rebellion against the way that God designed the relationship to be, that rebellion made us enemies with God. And that, that pushed us away and broke the relationship with him. And so some of you need to be reminded today of his wrath. He's not the big man upstairs. He's not the spirit in the sky. He's not your buddy. He's not a genie. He's not Santa Claus. He's the holy God of the universe. And we have to keep him up there. We have to. Just as much as some of you need to be reminded of his wrath, some of you do need to be reminded of his love. And this scripture is very clear. He loved us so much that he's inviting, even though we're weak, even though we're uh, ungodly, even though we're sinners, and in a moment we're going to see enemies, he's inviting us into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. He's our loving father, but he's also our king, and you have to keep those intentions. Both are true. That means we're his sons and his soldiers. We're his children and on mission for him as well. Verse 10, for while, for if, while we were what? That's number four, okay, if you're keeping track here. So we've got weak, ungodly, we've got sinners, we've got enemies. We were, what's that next word? Reconciled, that's the fifth word. We were reconciled, made right, brought together. It, it, it works, reconciled to God by the death of his son. So Jesus dies to provide a way for us to be reconnected with God in the way that he wanted us to be from the very beginning. 
But then Paul says much more. When Paul says much more, he's saying, I've, I've got more to tell you. Much more now that we are, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by what? His life. Here's the second thing about Jesus. Not only his death, but just as much his life. We have a risen Savior. In fact, our salvation would not be complete without the resurrection. That's why we sing about it so much. That's why we, we, I love that we, we pick so many songs that, that talk about the death and the resurrection. It's beautiful. Chapter 6 is going to unpack this a lot more because it's going to actually describe the role that baptism, the connection between baptism and resurrection. Now, these are powerful truths here, especially next week. It'll be pretty heavy theologically. Uh, just don't think of these truths as intellectual doctrines, but these are truths that should transform our lives. Last verse. By the way, we're going to spend a little bit more time singing at the end because I want to invite you into some time of prayer. More than that, Paul says, we also what? Rejoice. In God. Now, earlier, we rejoiced in hope of the future, the glory of God. We rejoice in our sufferings here. We rejoice in God himself. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we've gone from weak and ungodly and sinners and enemies to being reconciled. That's our identity. Should bring us joy. Last weekend, not this weekend, last weekend, Ohio State won, the Browns won, the Cavs won. That doesn't happen very often. Okay. It was a good week. A lot of rejoicing in our homes, wasn't it? Yesterday, not so much. Not sure about today. The day's not done. Okay. There's always time for the Browns to let us down. They've got a chance, they, they've got a chance, but, but, but hear me out, I've got a point with this. It's not just a, a sports illustration, I know not all of you are fans of sports illustration. It's called football, Jen, okay, I don't know if you, okay, football, okay, just, okay. Um, like many of you, uh, yesterday was hard to stomach. Okay? I'm a big, I've become much more of a Buckeyes fan than a Browns fan, and, and as they lost yesterday, it was a good game, yes, uh, uh, it was sad, okay? There was no joy in that. In fact, I did find it fascinating just watching, reading some of the headlines and stories. I mean, there are lives that are changed by that one game. I mean, as you read just the, the families and the players and the coaches and, and all of that, it's just like, it's just devastating. I mean, their whole lives revolve around that one game, which is kind of sad in some ways. But think for a moment, just picture with me if they had one, think of the joy that would have filled Buckeye Nation. Yeah, you can picture it. Okay, we've been there before. I mean, 11 and 1 or 10 and 1, whatever we are, is not bad, but it's not good enough. Victory in Ann Arbor would have made my day yesterday. That's something to have joy over. But my friend, victory in Jesus changed my life and yours. And there's a danger, there's a very real danger, my friends, when the things of this world 
people, relationships, sports, money, jobs, possessions, accomplishments, follow the list. Whatever's going through your mind, the things of this world, it's pretty sad when they bring us more joy than the very simple truth that we've been made right with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm calling us out. How much joy do we find in that versus the joy that we find in everything else? Tom and I were praying this morning and the conversation came up of how do we, in our own lives and in our family, but also our church, how do we get to the point of desperation where we rely upon the Holy Spirit, where the things of God have just more weight than everything else around there? And I think the only way to do it is if you have to take away some of those things. And I, I believe some of that is happening right now. God continues to allow Christians to have less and less influence. Okay? I want you to pray. I don't want you to say anything. But we're having a little bit of a dispute with our neighbors next door. Okay? Some lighting issues, and we are trying to do our very best to correct some of our lighting. But as soon as we had a conversation about it, this flag went up the very next day. Okay? They're communicating with us. Okay. It's, it's that kind of inf the, the relationship. They're, they're going to get challenged. They're going to get tense. We're going to try to work through that. But we're going to honor Jesus. Amen. And we're going to find joy in him. And we're going we're gonna, to... This is the important stuff. This is the real stuff. I don't have any clever words for you today. I don't have a creative outline. Just straightforward truth. It's real truth. It's not fake truth. It's not some religious pie-in-the-sky kinds of stuff. God loves you so much that even though you weren't good enough in any way, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for your sins and to meet the requirements of his wrath. That's truth. And that's all I can give you. But it's what you need. It's what I need. So my prayer for us today is to never take for granted what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and for me. Bill, why don't you come up? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing two songs. Bill and I were texting back and forth and couldn't decide, so I said, let's just sing them both. Right. We're going to sing the old rugged cross. And what we're going to do is, as we sing that together, we're going to pass out the communion elements. So if you're a follower of Jesus... And uh, you've made a commitment, I'm, I'm, I'm saved, I'm, I'm a child of God. We invite you to receive the elements. There's going to be the bread and the juice that pass, and you'll kind of notice that there's some, um, for those of you that need the gluten-free stuff, you'll see that in there as well. And as we pass it out, we're just going to sing the old rugged cross. Then I'm going to have a stand, and we'll, we'll take communion together to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. And then we're going to sing how deep the Father's love for us. And I want you to consider something as we sing that song, okay? Now that we, we've kind of, there's just too many of us to come forward for communion, we're going to bring communion to you, but that means that, that this is going to be open for you to come pray during how deep the Father's love for us. And I want you to think of it this way. Notice that in Romans 5 so far, we've talked about joy and peace and hope and love. Boy, those sound familiar, huh? 
Next week we start Advent. So we're, this is the pre-Advent. And I just want you, if you need some joy in your life, come pray. If you need some hope in your life, come pray. If you need some peace in your life, come pray. If you need some love in your life, come pray. It's gonna be some of us that are just, we notice you need prayer, we're gonna come pray for you. So let's just take a moment, and I'm gonna pray now, but then we're gonna sing the old rugged cross together. Um, Karen and Glenn and, um, and Alan and Ellie, you can come on up. Father, would you bless the end of our service, bless the whole time. Would your spirit take the truth of your word and, and apply it, just dig deep into hearts. I know some are receptive and, and they're, they're just ready to receive it. I know some are resisting it right now. They're just pushing back. I don't, I don't want to think about these things. But they know the truth is there. Spirit convicts. Spirit, show them what they need, please. May this time be a, just a helpful time, glorifying to you, but helpful to us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.